Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. They say that knowledge is power. When it comes to childbirth, the more knowledge you have, the more choices you can make when you're in labour. With this in mind, we're going to be talking about whether an episiotomy is better than natural tearing. David Addenbrook is an obstetrician and the co-author of Nine Months, The Essential Australian Guide to Pregnancy. Hi, David. How are you? Good, Sean. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, why would a woman tear when she's giving birth? I guess what the main thing is to consider tearing as a natural thing. Mm-hmm. And statistically speaking, in first-time uh, birth, uh, probably two out of three women will have some degree of a tear. Um, and that could be just a bit of skin or a bit of muscle or a deeper. So to some degree, it is a natural rite of passage of the process. But, um, yeah, there's certainly things we can do to try and prevent it or watch it and make sure that it's not a bad tear. And is it necessary? I mean, I would have assumed before I had my own child that tearing was when a baby was bigger, like a, a larger size baby. Is that the only reason why you would tear or is it just something that happens? Uh, look, I think it's more complicated than that. I've seen people have quite bad tears with a tiny little five-pound baby and I've seen people push out an 11-pound baby without a scratch. So um, I think the size of the, the passenger to the passage is very relevant. So sometimes when you've got a, a smaller frame woman with a bigger baby, that could increase the likelihood. But I think there's also a lot of genetic factors with collagen and some issues around the way that women push um, and the, the environment of the birth. What's an episiotomy? So an episiotomy is not a dirty word. It's, it's something that we, we do if we, if we feel that we need to make some extra room. So it's a medical intervention where we make a cut to open up the, the, the uh, opening of the vagina a bit wider. And it's always done with some degree of anaesthetic. So unless it's an outright emergency, there would always be usually a chance to put in a bit of local anaesthetic or make it numb. And uh, it's done with a pair of scissors and it's usually very quick and over before you know it. I read somewhere that an episiotomy often happens because the obstetrician needs to use forceps or a vacuum to get the baby out. In my experience, I had an episiotomy with my first baby and I it was because my daughter's arm was wrapped around her neck, yeah. um, which I could have kept trying to get her out without that, but we didn't know at the time. We just yeah. knew she wasn't coming out. Um, what's your take on that 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 sentence that it's it's for allowing for instruments to pull the baby yeah. out? So so look, I mean, first thing to get straight is that I don't think any obstetrician would advocate routine episiotomy. You know, there's no benefit in deliberately cutting. It's not going to get me to my golf game quicker. You know, <laughs> for me, the best outcome is if the woman doesn't tear, I get to go home quicker. You know, she's happier. There's no stitches. So, um, episiotomy is not something we do just for fun. Um, so routine episiotomy is well and truly out the window. There's no obstetrician would recommend that. But the times that we would recommend considering an episiotomy, certainly one of them would be with a forceps or a vacuum birth. So where the, the time of crowning and the time for the head to stretch over the perineum is shorter and there's less time for that muscle to relax and stretch. That's particularly true in first-time mothers, whereas if they've had a few before, I've certainly delivered four-and-a-half-kilo babies in, um, in women who've had a few babies with forceps and not needed to do an episiotomy. But in general, if we're considering using forceps or a vacuum, we should be also considering the need for episiotomy. That's true. 
Um, I guess the other times when it would be recommended would be if there's fetal distress. So if, if we can see the baby's really close and, you know, with a bit of time it might come over 10 or 15 minutes but the heart rate drops and there's a, there's a need for sudden concern and a episiotomy will get that baby out a bit quicker. And that could be for something like the cord around the neck, which is way more common than people give it credit for. And is there a point in time that as an OB you can see, all right, now's the time for an episiotomy or we're going to let this go and <laughs> let the woman naturally tear. Yeah. Like, is there actually a time frame where you can make There's that a, choice? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a judgment call. So, you know, something you, you gain with time and there's certainly some women where you can tell that that tear is just inevitable you see them pushing pushing you can see a large sort of area of the head and they're pushing and you know that it's just inevitable you're waiting for them to tear their own vagina and look if that's happening gradually and slowly and it's likely to be a nice neat tear in the middle a natural tear will always be more comfortable and heal better the thing is a natural tear may go in a hundred different directions it may go upwards and tear through the clitoris or it may go downwards and tear through the anal muscles, and those are things which we really don't want. They're going to be much more tricky to put together, more uncomfortable, and have more long-term effects. So it's a little bit of a, a, a gamble, because when we do an episiotomy, we know we're definitely going to, need to put stitches in. There's going to be a degree of discomfort, but um, it may be better than what a natural tear could eventuate in certain circumstances. So, yeah, there's certainly a time when I've regretted not doing an episiotomy because I've sat there and the patient's been very keen to let it happen naturally, and then I've ended up having to spend three times as long putting it back together. Mm. Um, so I can't say there's any times I've really regretted doing an episiotomy, but the day or two afterwards when they're a bit tender and they're needing the ice packs, it's never nice, you know. And with episiotomies, if you've had one the first time, is it likely that the second baby you will tear along where you had the episiotomy or where you had the tear, tear previously? Um, that's true to some degree, yeah. Sometimes you see a tear go along the episiotomy line, but not always. And I think um, whether someone tears naturally or they have an episiotomy with their first baby, second time, third time round, they're way less likely to, to tear. And the more babies you have, the, the lower the likelihood of a tear becomes. Are they actually avoidable if it's the first time you had a baby? Well, I think that no one can guarantee a woman that they absolutely will not tear, but there's certainly some evidence of, of interventions which may reduce the risk of tearing. And um, one that, that people probably know a bit about is perineal massage. That's leading up to the birth, just trying to gently sort of stretch and push down on those muscles and encourage them to soften. I, I tell women it's not that you're trying to stretch out the collagen, you're not trying to make the opening bigger. What you're trying to do is encourage that muscle of the perineum to be a little bit more flexible, the same way that you feel a bit more flexible when you've had a deep tissue massage on your back. So, so getting the muscle in good condition for birth, making it stretchier and, and more relaxed is a good start. And then during the birth, uh, there's some things that the midwife and the, or the obstetrician can help to encourage uh, a reduced risk of tearing as well. Is one of those things using warm compressors? Yeah, that's definitely true. And um, there's, there's studies that have been put out over the years about, about different techniques. And warm compressors does seem to have a slightly uh, advantageous benefit for, for women to not tear. Um, nothing that's sort of uh, going to, to be groundbreaking, but certainly in the, in the scientific literature, warm compressors do have some evidence for them. And I think that's some of the evidence that's uh, carried over to the impression that that uh, people say that water births often are reduced, uh, reduce the risk of tearing because the perineum is kept very close to body temperature and the muscles are a little bit more flexible. Um, David, thank you so much for talking to me about that today. No problem. Thank you.
That's David Addenbrook. He's an obstetrician and the co-author of Nine Months, The Essential Australian Guide to Pregnancy. And we'll put links in the notes of this episode on how you can get yourself a copy. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.